The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Junior Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Welcome to episode 43 of the Weekly Harvest Podcast, brought to you by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Please drink responsibly. My name is Chris Falco. He's Brandon Crow. Crow, how are you, bud? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's Valentine's Day. I'm spending it with you. There's no other person I'd rather spend it with than you. And I can say that because I know my wife's not going to listen to this episode. So <laughs> I can I can tell you that in confidence uh, and not feel bad about it. So yeah. it's Valentine's Day. I uh, I watched Vegas win tonight. Another shout out for Mark Andre Fleury. And uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a good weekend so far. Always, How about you? Always love to see the flower do well. That's just one player that throughout his career, especially now, just absolutely love to see him do well. I. Uh, I've had a good weekend. It's been, you know, another very cold one. I haven't been outside and done a whole lot, but it's been good overall. We just were talking not too long ago about the the breaking news about the East Division hub. So right off the top of the show here, we want to tell people that if you didn't hear that one, it's about an 18-minute episode. We actually got a chance to talk as well on that to WHL Commissioner Ron Robison about the return to play, about what we do know so far. So if you want to go back and listen to it, it's the podcast right before this one. Again, it's only about 18 minutes long. We'll tell you everything that we do know. There's still a lot of questions. And between when that was recorded which was yesterday to when we're doing this one now. Obviously, there's, there's, there's no answers in between. So uh, we're going to kind of leave most of that to, to that pod. But, of course, Crow, just quickly, it was, of course, good news for us to find out that we're going to be playing, for sure, these 24 games. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a couple of days now that I've had to digest it a little bit and, and think about it. Um, you know, it, it's still pretty... Still pretty surreal, almost. It's been so long since we haven't had hockey, and realistically, haven't had a good thing, any good news. So um, it's nice. Uh, I've it had some nice good conversations with with Darren Ritchie. Um, I know the GM. Uh, you know, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later as we get closer to. I've talked to some other guys, some other broadcasters, guys from different teams. Everyone's excited. We're really looking forward to this. As for the you know exact X's and O's of how this is going to work, we're still not sure yet. Um, we'll know more next week's podcast. Um, on episode 44. Uh, but uh, for now, let's just embrace it. Let's enjoy it. And, uh, you know, think about how, how lucky we are to, to have this um, plan laid out and approved and, and ready to go for us. So Definitely. looking forward to, to getting things going. Uh, a little bit later, we are going to be getting into uh, talking about the emails and uh, also about the wrap up of the first ever Brandon Wee King eSports Tournament. The NHL 21 uh, My IT Source Tournament wrapped up uh, last night, so we're going to talk about that as well. But, Crow, for our guest this week, we've talked uh, we've talked about having him on for a while. I'm, I'm glad that we could get it worked out. He is a guy that, uh, well, as we're going to find out, we have trouble describing what his job title is. We have trouble describing just him in general, but we got super fan Cameron Hughes. Uh, just a, a great conversation with with him yeah so i when before we recorded this you know i, I said to my wife who i joked wasn't going to listen to this i said you know we got cameron hughes on it she said well who's that so i pulled it up on youtube and i played the first video that showed up and she was laughing by the time it's over so if you don't know who he is and you enjoy this interview 
go to YouTube when you get home or, or when you're listening to this, hit pause, go to YouTube, type his name and watch his story because he's absolutely hysterical to watch. And some of you may have seen him at the Keystone. You may have seen him at Bell MTS Place in Winnipeg or the Saddle Dome or wherever you may be listening from. You may have seen him, but the guy is just, the guy makes you happy. I mean, I just finished the interview with him and I'm smiling ear to ear and like, he just gives you a good feeling. So great stories from him about his, his world and kind of the randomness of it all, but uh, really enjoyed talking to him and uh, we're going to promote his book a little bit as well as he's, uh, that's been his COVID project. So uh, yeah, we're, it, it's a great story and uh, I loved listening to him. So we're going to air this interview we did with Cameron Hughes and then we'll be back after that. Episode 43 of the Weekly Harvest presented by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings. And we're going to go down a bit of a different path uh, from last week and the week before. You know, we've been in the, the hockey operations side, the players side. Now we're going to get a little into the fan perspective with our guest this week. I don't even really know how to describe this guy or what his job description is, but he's a professional crowd igniter i'll let him explain it but he's one of the most passionate guys in all of sports uh, cameron hughes cam thanks for joining us this week how would you just dis- how do you describe it like what is your job description on your business card how do you have it labeled <laughs> lack of talent meets passion for cheering dancing twirling shirts and scaring small children <laughs> That's a big i mean business uh card. you know crowd igniter how's that that works crowd like that. igniter so it's true yeah. i mean We've seen you in Brandon and we've seen you lots of places, but we got to go back to the very start when, you know, when you're a kid growing up, were you an athlete? Did you want to play? You know, were you a basketball player? Take us through young childhood Cameron Hughes in the halls of your classroom. (laughs) What were you trying to be? It's such a funny question because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, you see a star hockey player or athlete. You're like, oh, like you probably since you were five years old, you could skate. And I'm like, yeah, since 10 years old, I could cheer, (laughs) you know, um, you know, it's really interesting. I look back at it um, from a in a deep level when I was doing my book, and I, I was about ten or eleven. Parents had just had a divorce. My dad takes me to the football game, the CFL Rough Riders, to win me over. Right, and I'll never forget being in the crowd watching this guy, probably twenty five years older, you know, forty ish get the crowd going crazy. He, he had like a double O Jersey from the rough riders. He had, he had a helmet on and he was, I was just like watching him. I didn't care about the play. I was watching this guy, <laughs> you know, every other friend of mine's like watching Tony Gabriel trying to catch a touchdown or whatever was going on. And, you know, in 40, whatever, I don't know, 30 some years later, <laughs> I'm, I'm cheering at sporting events around the world and watching what happens in crowds, you know, and so I, I was a I was an okay athlete. I never made the big teams, and I went and cheered them on instead. That's kind of my my story, you know. So, so were you kind of the the class clown then, like the kid in school that was always kind of just goofing off? I wasn't the class. I, I, I was in between because I was always a student leader, so I, I had to draw the line. I was I my whole life I've been you know on the line. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, and, and I've been like, I push the fun, but I'm also like, I want everyone to have fun. If that makes sense. So in high school, I was student president and I was also the guy causing a bit of trouble, pushing the envelope with the administration to have, so students would have more fun. So when you see me at a game and you're watching me push fans, that's the same thing that's in me. And, and, and for the most part, I know where the line is for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so when you started getting your teenage years, what are some of the sports that you just naturally started to fall in love with? I mean, you, you obviously like to, you know, to, to cheer and be a part of it, but was there certain sports that you gravitated towards more than others? 
Well, as a kid, I, I didn't make my high school basketball team. My mother had just passed away and she inspired me to like kind of take more chances. You've lost, you know, you've the worst thing that's happened to you in your life. What are you going to do? Right. And so I would cheer on my high school buddies on my high school basketball team. And when I made it to uh, <laughs> when I made it to Madison Square Garden in New York doing a Knicks game, I called my coach who cut me and I said, you finally had someone from the team make it to the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, that's fantastic. And you, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, Chris and I grew up as Ottawa Senators fans, and that's kind of where the professional bug was landed. Let's go back to what is that? Yeah. Mid 90s, early 90s? Yeah, well, I, I was actually, I, I, you know, what's funny is I haven't really talked about this in my in, in my days. I was an original season ticket holder. I, you know how they had everyone sign up? I was 918th person to sign up to be a season ticket holder, myself and my dad. And I would I like my me personally. So that was kind of but my tickets were like the second from the top. <laughs> so I'd go to the games and I would always be like, oh, this crowd needs something. But I never thought like, well, I should do something, right? I, I never had that moment until one night. Um, they're playing the Jets actually, January 8th, 94. You know, that day completely changed my life. It was like an awakening, a hallelujah. (laughs) And, you know, it's a pretty simple story. The team's the worst in the league. I'm lost. I'm living in my dad's basement, in and out of school, like Frank the Tank. (laughs) And my buddy says, you want to come to the game? His dad's got great seats. First period, nothing. Second period, nothing. Third period. I look at him and he's like, oh, no, it's Cameron. Please don't, you know. (laughs) And I got up. And the crowd looked at me stunned, bewildered, and pleasantly surprised with joy. You know what I mean? They were like, yeah, finally. You know, And all of us have been to all these events from weddings to school events to um, every type of function. And there's always that moment that needs something, whether it's the DJ, the host, right? There's always that thing, that spark, or it already has it, right? And we've all been to sporting events that already has it, right? You don't need to always elevate the experience. And that night changed my life. And I just, you know, I've been joking around that I've been haven't stopped showing up since. So after that, was it a sports team that contacted you to actually turn this in? Or did you then all of a sudden go like, okay, I guess this is what I have to do now. So I got to somehow find sports teams to pay me to do this. Like, how does this become a thing that you get known for after that? I should do a board game based on that concept. What what would you do next? <laughs> right, right. Get up at a get up at a hockey game and dance like a lunatic. Run yes. for home. <laughs> yes, and then call that Make hockey it, team and then say, "Hey, yeah, do you want me to dude, do that that's again?" Hilarious. Yeah, do not pass go. Collect. Well, dude, you know what'd be funny? Collect Alexander Daigle hockey stick and sign Senators jersey for your fee, which is what they paid me the first year. I didn't get any money. <laughs> The next year, they're like, hey, we'll pay you a bit of money, but we want you to sign an exclusive deal. This is with the Senators. First team and only team in my 27-year career that made me sign an exclusive deal. They were smart, but then they didn't say for the playoffs. (laughs) So in 95, they didn't make the playoffs, and Toronto was in the playoffs, and my buddies were like, I dare you to go down to Toronto. And I I had an in. uh, I got in, in the door. I got tickets. And that was kind of the moment, you know, I was just talking in Canada, talked about me and they made fun of me the first night. And then they gave me lots of um, props the second night on Saturday. And, you know, what I think it was like at that point, two million people were watching easily on a Saturday. Right. And I'm driving back to Ottawa, thankfully enough gas in the car. (laughs) 
And I'm like, this is what I, I got to do this. I've got to figure it out, you know? And then I um, finished university. I made VHS copies of all my performances and I started sending them out and I started showing up to try to get hired. So do you remember like you, obviously the Alexander stick, I mean, you probably thought that was going to be worth a lot more than it ended up being, but do you remember the first time you got paid like a financial amount for this? Were you just in awe at the fact somebody was paying you to do this and this was now becoming a job? You know, it's a really, it truly, for me, if you're listening, you're like, it sounds like a normal question, but for me, it's actually a very thoughtful question because had I gone in to plan to do this for a living, it wouldn't have worked, right? You would have forced it. So I, I was like, my dad was more shocked than I was. They're what? They're going to pay you, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I, I was completely, um, and I have to say this, I've having, been having lots of conversations through the lockdown with friends and people in the event industry. And, and, you know, like, I think a lot of us in ways are deeper and more philosophical about things that are happening and what do we do and fans and we miss it. And I'm so grateful that any team's ever brought me in, anyone. And there are some games where I'm definitely don't want to be there as much as like a, you know, others, which is just human nature, right? You feel it. But I'm so grateful. And I've been so grateful for since that first day. And I think that's why I still do it because I, 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 at A, I don't have a plan B. <laughs> but all kidding aside, you know, asking that question, yeah. I mean, when they offered me that money, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, how lucky was I, right? It's, it's got to be just, I mean, as a kid, you want to be a player, you know, you're dreaming of it when you're out on the street, you know, playing street hockey or playing hoops with the guys. And all of a sudden you got a team paying you, but it's not even remotely close to the way you dreamed it up as a kid. Not even remote. No, but my mom always said to me when I didn't make the team, maybe there's another way you contribute. And that's sort of been my, you know, I love, you know, I go to the locker room of like a minor league team and like Missouri, you know, Kansas, and I'm getting my ankles taped in an ECHL hockey game. And the boys are like, what the hell? Who's that? And I'm in the locker room. I made it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the coach. Well, I don't know if you know the story about uh, Kelly and Brandon. Do you know that story? Tell it, please. Yeah. Where, where you know, he, I came into Brandon. I've got a couple of good stories from Brandon, but um, he let me come in the locker room before a game and go nuts come on boys, let's go. And I'm like going absolutely crazy. I think I was like throwing sticks and I was like jumping on guys and they're all like, what the hell? <laughs> I wish I knew who was in the locker room because I've met a bunch of guys who have since played for Brandon. And I never knew if they were in the locker room. The other story with Brandon, and there's a picture in my book of it with the players is I came in the wrong entrance. The first time I ever came to the arena, it was minus 200 out. And I come into the arena and I'm just like, I don't care. I'm going to any entrance. Just get me in the building. <laughs> and I come in the door and I've got my parka on, you know, I'm living in California. I've become soft and the boys are playing their sewer kickball right in front of me. And I guess the coach and GM had told them I was coming. They all Googled me and they all YouTube me. So, Hey, it's Cam. You know, they're all excited and high five. And they're like, do you want to play? It's the only time I've been asked in my career to play <laughs> was with the boys. Nice. I, I came second. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I've never won anything, guys. You know what I mean? 
Well, and, and, and with this, Cam, it's amazing because it's not as if it's just one sport and you're getting to travel all over the place doing this. Uh, what was the, uh, what was the first time that you kind of got called to one of the bigger events? And what was that like? Like, for example, the, the U.S. Open when, when, when they reach out or like a major world event. How, how was that kind of taking place? It was a bit of both. It was a bit of me showing up and, and having the bravado to say, hey, your organization needs me. And then there was a bit of the, hey, we saw you at such and such. You should come. Um, I did the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake unofficially. I had a pass and then I didn't have a pass. And I'm not going to give the story away because it's too good. You got to buy the book. See, there's my plug. <laughs> but put it this way. I had a, a tie in with the Gretzky's. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um to get into the gold medal game after they found out I was banned. <laughs> That's Dustin Johnson's father-in-law, right? Is that? <laughs> That's Dustin Johnson's father-in-law, I think. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard of him? <laughs> he's Paulina's he's dad. Gonna, yeah, of course, of course. He's going to do well. <laughs> but then the stuff like the U.S. Open or Canada Sevens or um, London Olympics. Uh, not Olymp- I didn't do the Olympics. I did a rugby match there. Like, it's a matter of like, oh, we saw you at this other event. Um, we, You know, the craziest one for me was, well, one of them was Belfast. Went and performed at the hockey team there. Uh, 2013, I think it was. The Belfast the was, Giants? Yeah. Yeah. And they had some uh, NHL guys. Uh, Theo Fleury played there at one point during the lockout. Yeah, that's, um, that's why I know that name, other int- that name. Adam Keefe was a coach now. His brother Sheldon's the coach of the Leafs. Um, I went over there in 2013. GM was a Toronto uh, Calgary guy who used to play Todd Kelman. And he's like, oh, I've seen you on some clips. So we're going to try. And he was the only one that I know of who asked his season ticket holders if they should bring me in. I'm like, don't ask. Just surprise them. <laughs> so half said yes, half said no. And he told me this. But he told me this when I arrived. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Uh, ended up doing four gigs there, Cardiff Devils, and so yeah, it worked out well. So, has there been crowds that have just been crowds that you can't win over? Because the times that we've seen you here in Brandon, it's been absolutely phenomenal. All the clips, of course, that 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 we see. But is is there crowds that even Cameron Hughes can't get cheering and going crazy? I think it's I think it's the level. You know what I mean? I I. I my job, I don't like to use the word job, but it's the way it's positioned, right? You get paid to do something. It's a job. Is when you come into a lot of these organizations, and I'll never forget the New Jersey Devils. They're like, oh, we've got terrible fans. And, you know, they don't, we don't market. Brand new arena. The team's not great. Good luck. Like giving me like the worst pep talk of all time. It took me <laughs> four, Lamarello. maybe five times before I got up to get the crowd going. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. I got to leave. <laughs> but at the end of the night, they're going to give you a check for getting the crowd going, not for not getting the crowd going. So you got to figure out a way. But I, for sure, in my career, there's been nights that are like way more memorable than others and other nights where it was just OK. Uh, and it's OK for a couple of reasons. Uh, maybe I wasn't on, to be fair. Right. I just wasn't totally feeling it. Maybe the intro didn't set the tone. Maybe the team was horrible. Maybe the de- they didn't get it. Sort of a bit of, in some cases, the fans in some places just aren't that engaged, you know. And like I said, maybe I didn't have the magic that night, you know. So does when you when you look around the league, obviously, since you've kind of become more and more popular, especially with social media and and YouTube and everything, Instagram, that sort of thing. Do you think a guy like you, 
and this is something I, I've been thinking about since Chris mentioned that we might have you on. Do you think a guy like yourself and the way you've approached it has paved the way for something like gritty in Philadelphia? Well, that's interesting. I'm a, wow. I mean, I don't know about paid. I mean, I think, I, wow. Yes. I don't mean that because you look, you know, <laughs> yes. you, you look yes. like him with your hair or anything like that. I'm just saying the way he acts. Well, I'm not because I've gained 80 pounds during COVID. Is that what you want to say? <laughs> no, you know what? My answer is going to be uh, unapologetically Canadian. Yes, because all of acts have paved the way for gritty that have done something different. Uh, I know the guy who created Gritty. Um, you know, he's Philly, he was a former Philly fanatic. Um, he, he's been following me for years. We're, you know, we're friends. We'd, I, I've never sent him a Christmas card. But I truly believe that all good acts and, you know, Crazy George paved the way for me, right? Um, other, other entertainers that have made a living. There's a lot of characters at arenas. We all know this, right? We could list a bunch. Dancing Larry in New York, Dancing Gabe with the Jets, like on and on and on. Fireman Ed and the, the, the Riders guys. All those characters add up into something. What does it look like, right? And I think that what Gritty was able to do was have the edge that just actually does go over the line, <laughs> but not far, too far. But also, I don't know about you, but I think they've done a great job because – most mascots aren't supposed to have a human element in some of the stuff that I see with gritty. There's a bit of a human element. You know what I mean? There's a bit of one. So I think any great performer that I've seen in the crowd, um, I think it works both ways. They've paved the way for me and, and vice versa. It's it's crazy, but I I strongly there's there's a, there's a case to be made that Gritty is the biggest star in the NHL on or off the ice in the last uh, couple of years. <laughs> that guy's just phenomenal. Well, yeah, I mean, and you, you know that every NHL mascot hates Gritty. Oh, hundred percent, one hundred percent. They do. Cap. I don't like the word hate, but they hate him. <laughs> Well, I look at it, you know, I've been, I grew up, you know, in Manitoba. So I, I remember going to Manitoba Moose games before the new rendition of the Jets came back and they've kept Mickey Moose, you know, and to me, he was just a, a guy in a costume banging a drum. Like there was just nothing special about him. And, you know, I worked a year for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes and they had Goldie, who is technically a sibling of the Philly fanatic, a long lost sibling. There's a whole storyline there, but you know, he was Obviously. okay. Right. But in the same breath, when gritty came around it, to me, it just changed what a mascot is and what a mascot can actually do. I mean, Growing up, you know, you had Wild Wing with the ducks coming down from the rafters and SJ Sharkey getting stuck hanging in the rafters and that whole embarrassment. But to me, Gritty really changed what NHL teams can market and, and how they market their mascots. Well, yeah, I was a mascot for the Ottawa uh, AAA Lynx. Uh, that was my first mascot gig. And I remember when I was introduced, I um, was supposed to start at the center field wall, jump over the wall onto a crash pad that was pretty high up. So it wasn't that crazy. And then come on to an ATV and then tour around. And there was 10,000 fans there. The team was a big deal. As I jumped down, a dozen players came and attacked me. And I'm talking players that you know, Cliff Floyd, Rondell White, Kirk Reeder, <laughs> guys that became NBL uh, Major League Baseball stars, just beating the crap out of me. <laughs> so I've got my head. I'm in this thing. It's all disheveled. And I'm on the ATV. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I had a foam baseball bat and fans would come after me and I'd like, oh, come on. <laughs> 
And I only did it for one year. I made 60 bucks a game. I had to join a mascot union. <laughs> but once again, I'll never forget the first meeting I had. And I, it's like, it was just such a weird moment. They're like, well, how, what, how, what do you see Lenny? What do you see him like? You know I mean? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now it's, if I was starting a mascot for a new team, I would be such a fun thing to do. Cause have I would you, maybe like, go ahead. Have, have you been like, you know, approached by teams to do any kind of like, fa- you know, fan engagement development beyond you showing up and doing the cheering? Yeah. I've done a bunch of that for a couple of leagues uh, for a couple of NBA teams. Um, and then, you know, I do it on the side a bit as just as a, part of a bonus plan here and there. Um, it's something I've looked at in my life. I mean, I'm, I think I have a good eye for it in terms of timing. And I think that's one of the big things that people that I've realized is like, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of people that can do what I do in the sense of being funny and dancing and goofing and fearless. But so much of why I've had a sustained career is I know the timing, you know, I know when to, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying, I'm, you know, but I generally know good timing and that's so key. And a lot of stadium development, um, game day entertainment producers are so much pressure on them to be like, okay, you got a script. You got to go through the script. Okay, next thing's got to be a read for this promo. And uh, Mark Stone just had a huge hit and Reeves had a great something. And then you got to go read a promo about a, like a sponsor. No, rip that up. Go into some eight, big music. Go in, you know, you know what I mean? So... I think sports and I really hope they come back to like ripping up the script, giving fans more and and keeping that energy going, you know? I think that's a great point. And I think we can touch on that with, you know, you're wearing a a Vegas shirt. Chris has got his hoodie on. I took mine off. I'm wearing an Eric fair Jersey, but Vegas hockey, something people didn't think it would work. People thought the fans just wouldn't care. They wouldn't be interested. And instead it's been the exact opposite. Now you've been there, you've done it. The cover of your book is you at a Vegas game. Uh, was that the first year or the second year? And tell us, you know, what that was like compared to maybe some other markets. And were you surprised by it? Yeah, that picture's from the first night, October 10th, very emotional night after the tragic shooting. Um, First picture ever taken me in Vegas. So, you know, a really cool moment for me and cool to, that it was a good shot. <laughs> um, I think I've done close to 50 games in Vegas and I could write a, I could truly write a book on, on the experience and what they've done, what the fans have done um, just on that alone. And I think probably people are going to or have. They gave fans a permission to act a certain way from game one and they pushed it, you know, that like the gold helmets thing. I don't, you know, and I'll say this on the record. I didn't love them. I don't think they matched the jerseys. Well, I think the idea was brilliant in terms of this, the idea let's push this. You know what I mean? I guarantee you every NHL team, I'm exaggerating a bunch of them said, Hey, you know, Carolina might be like, Hey, maybe we should get some uh, flashier red helmets for the next game. Whether they do or not, it doesn't matter. It's open a conversation, right? Um, I've I've been talked to um, game day entertainment coordinators, owners of NHL teams that I've run into at the NHL awards who are like, they want to pick my brain, right? What should we do with Vegas? Oh, Vegas, oh, this. Vegas, try stuff. Not everything they've done has worked. They'll admit it. But they, they, from the top down, carry blue bolts and, and, and even their hockey operations, which has embraced it, thankfully, because a lot of hockey operations teams don't embrace it. They allow their characters to be characters, you know, and look at Vegas. Look at like half a dozen guys that we can name like that 
are, were became big, big personalities because the team allowed it. You know what I mean? And we need that in the NHL. Love it. Totally. And that's, and, and that's a big reason why there's so many Vegas fans. I mean, you know, we kind of joke around here that Westman has kind of turned into half Jets, half Vegas because of all the Week King connections. But there's more Vegas fans coast to coast just because of that, of them trying new things and especially getting the youth engaged. They've been really smart at their approach and uh, what they brought has been just an absolute game changer. And, and on that note, so I go to a Vegas, Oilers, Vegas, Blackhawks game. Okay. I'll, I'll get used to Blackhawks because I've done two. And I go there and you'll walk in and you're like, are there going to be any Vegas fans here? What the heck's going on? And then eventually you realize that there's just so many Blackhawk fans. I remember the first game, they're easily 5,000 fans from Chicago, easily. Every fan will tell you that there was that many, but it made for such a great atmosphere. And Vegas knows hospitality because that's the industry there, right? So they make them feel so welcome. Like, I, I, I don't know of any circumstances where fans of, you know, sometimes you go to, um, I mean, I remember going to the, uh, the garden, uh, for a, a bunch of Canadians Ranger playoff game. And my two buddies wanted to wear Habs jerseys. And I'm like, I'm not going to get killed tonight. This is not how I'm going to die in Vegas. They celebrate it. Hey, you're from Montreal. Nice to see you, you know? So it's become the unofficial ambassador city for the NHL. For sure. It has. So let's even, talk about your book. Even, Obviously that's why I was going to, sorry. Uh, I was going to say, even for San Jose shark fans, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about those shark jerseys going in there Good anymore. Point. You can't tell me that Vegas's ads on the glass for that uh, bankruptcy thing that says don't be broke.com isn't <laughs> aimed at Evander Kane. There is not a chance in hell that that's not at least subtly aimed at Evander Kane. I have no comment, officer. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, you know, Vegas has definitely got a, a hate on for the sharks. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's good for the game. It is. Rivalries are always good. So let's talk about your book, The King of Cheer, stories of showing up, getting up, and never giving up from the world's most electrifying crowd igniter. Uh, it, it's obviously kind of a look at the past and, and the climb up the mountain and kind of... In, and in the depth, fall back down. <laughs> <laughs> well, Enough we'll about, about this COVID. year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll talk about COVID in a bit, but here's your chance. Like, tell us, why, why, should, why should we buy this book? What, uh, what are we going to find in it? Well, I mean, to you know, I'll just I'll tell you why I wrote it, and I think that's why you should should buy it in that sense. You know, I would go to all these events around the world, and and like both of you asked like great thoughtful questions. It's like you get on a plane after after leaving Belfast, or you get on a plane after leaving Laredo, Texas, and you're literally the only white guy in the crowd, and you have these amazing moments, and you get in Belfast, and there's bombings going on a couple of blocks from the arena, but the game still happens, or you dance with Novak Djokovic at center court. Well, when I get on a plane afterwards, I write about it. You know what I mean? I write about the stories and and, and journal it. And uh, it used to be physical journals. And then I started these documents. It's short stories from 26 years of igniting crowds and over 1,500 events. It's the highs. It's the lows. It's the living in L.A. and not being able to legally work and literally calling up a couple of friends who lived there and had a home and let me stay with them for a while to see if I could figure it out. You know, that's awesome. So this book was basically written over these years that that you were just kind of now piecing all these stories together. It was, but I never at the, at the time, I didn't know what it looked like. I mean, I'd be full of it if I pretended I knew that it was going to be a collection of short stories at the time. I tried to sell a bigger vision of it at one point. And it was just like, I want to be having a beer with you guys. And, and you're like, 
like, like even like we're talking about today though, like, but again, in a little more detail, a little more color behind it be like, so how did, you know, how did you get the U S open gig and what happened as a result? And then it's like, you know, some little anecdotes here and there. Wait a minute. You really ended up at Prince's house one night and he almost kicked you out for dirty dancing with his. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but that's another story. Um, but you know what I mean? It's sort of like, I, I, I didn't want it to be, I wanted to be a book where you could pick it up and you could leaf through it and, and read a few chapters and sh- short stories, see some pictures and, you know, a couple days later, pick it up again, you know? Hey, Crow, good news. There's, there's pictures in it. So it's up your alley. <laughs> oh, bazinga. Oh, just throwing daggers. Yeah. It's Valentine's Day. Where's the love tonight? I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm giving up my Valentine's Day. My wife's over there in the other room and I'm giving it up to spend it with you two guys. So, I mean, if that doesn't show commitment, I, I don't know what does. Yes. But uh, where do we find this book? How do we buy it? How do we send our Wee King fans uh, in to learn the story? Uh, your website's CameronHughes.tv. Can they order it there, or where would you suggest they go? Yeah, that's the best place to order it. Um, uh, I uh, I can sign it. I can personalize it for you. You can go online, but support the support the author. You know what I mean? 100%. Stay away from that Amazon. Uh, my, I want to come back to a game there, by the way. Well, yeah. Chris is the, yeah, Amazon wants to fine. have you back at a game again. Well, that leads me to my next question. I want to get in an RV. Yeah. <laughs> well, keep go, telling. Go I want to hear this RV thought. <laughs> I've been having like, like what's kept me alive in, in this COVID time is A, finishing a book and B, the dream of putting my foot like I did today. I did a polar bear dip today in the ocean in Victoria and driving in an RV, stopping off at every arena I've been to, meeting up with fun, interesting people along the way and doing a cross Canada tour. Nice. Well, Brandon will definitely be one of the stops on that way then. I would hope so. Right? Yeah, so Maybe I'll got... go in the wrong door again. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously COVID has uh, really kind of put a damper on your entire career as much as mine as the play-by-play guy and as Chris's as the director of game day operations. But what was the last live event you did? And just kind of talk us through the last year of trying to sort out a job where you have to have events and couldn't do it. Yeah. The last gig I did was March 3rd, Vegas, Tuesday night against New Jersey Devils. I remember leaving and Jonathan Marshall. So kind of, I would somehow always see him when I leave the arena and he gives me a fist tap and he looks at me and goes, you were extra crazy tonight. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it was just like this moment. And I remember leaving and like, Something happened to me that night, just like high-fiving the ushers, security, Marshall. So feeling like super pumped up. I don't know why. And then, you know, I had been a couple of events canceled in January and then the fallout. I had six NHL gigs that month, plus all the other stuff. Um, And then I did an interview in Victoria and I was called the most unemployable human in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. And I was like, oh, that is the most depressing thing I've ever heard. I started making um, crazy videos. I was I was in LA and living in Venice, and we had a guest sort of apartment studio garage that we tried to fix up. And I would just make crazy videos and post them. And my partner would be like, "My friends are worried about you. What are you doing back there?" <laughs> I was just trying to like let people know that if I could do anything for them, I'd do it. And I started crashing zooms. I, I was asked to. Uh, speak at a commencement to do a commencement talk into a computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've done some, I've done like probably 70 different like 
you know, cameo memos, whatever you want to call them for people. Now that I'm on Memo or Memo, whatever they call it, no one hires me because I've already given them away for free. (laughs) (laughs) A bot mitzvah for a girl in Vegas and I'm FaceTiming with her and I'm like, just doing it, not getting paid just because it was like the right thing to do. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's been hard though. There's been some moments where you're like, I think it's the uncertainty. Like I know it's going to, we all know it's going to come back as you guys know, but we, we can't plan and you guys can't plan and then you plan and then this happens. And so I've just tried to figure it out and try to get the book out there and stay, you know, stay ready. When people go and buy the book, obviously we want them to go to go through your website. Is there a d- digital option? Is it uh, like through, through your website or if they go there, it's going to be a hard copy, a hard copy. And you can also get an ebook through Amazon. Is that still good for you, though, to buy the ebook? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that if you're that lazy and you can't order a. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's been. And then I'm going to have an audio book out once I, uh, I don't know, figure out how to turn on my mic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Cam, I mean, this was awesome. Um, I think before we let you go, though, we got to hit you with a few rapid fire questions. Before before I let you guys go, I got to hit you with a question. Okay. Okay. So you, you do play by play? Yep. All right. Well, pretend we're at a game. Okay. It's under 10-minute timeout. <laughs> Ready? Okay. And they go to the crazy guy in the crowd. Go. <laughs> there appears to be some sort of disturbance <laughs> in Section 219. He's not wearing a shirt. <laughs> and I'm assuming that's where I would go with that, you know, call for security. And then, because I probably wouldn't know what's going on. <laughs> Try not to get distracted because there are times where things happen in the crowd and I have gone on a full description here. I'll give you a quick story. And this got me into trouble. So I try not to talk about what happens in the crowd. So we're in Kootenai. Why is that? Because, because of this, because he'll tell you why. Okay. We're we're in Cranbrook, BC, home of the Kootenai ice at the time. I don't know if you obviously, Um, so we're there and it's, it's after the second period, the Zambonis clean the ice and I'm just getting, teed up for the third and so the players are on the ice i come back from break they're just kind of doing the circle coming to center ice refs pull up and at this time i see two police officers walking in along the front row towards the penalty timekeepers box and then i hear the eh, of the clock so the players back off the refs gather at the penalty box and the cops are in the penalty box so at this point i'm i'm fully engaged thinking oh man this is going to be good like is a player going to get arrested like is this slap shot what's happening here so I'm describing this full-on play-by-play of the officers, what they look like, what they're talking about, what's happening. So the game's delayed, and the two officers walk uh, along the glass again, back around to the Zamboni, uh, or sorry, to the goal judge. And the guy is just looks like a regular guy wearing a denim coat, sitting there flipping the light on and off. Well, and they start talking to him, and he gets off, and the two of them, a police officer on either side, escort him out the tunnel and out of the building. And so at this point, I'm laughing thinking, oh my God, the goal judge just got arrested. Only in the Western Hockey League does the goal judge get arrested. And at this point, I've posted it on Twitter, and it's gone viral. Everyone's like, oh my God, only in the Western League. Well, it turns out the guy's house had burned to the ground during the first two periods, and it's hard not to laugh. I mean, I feel terrible for the guy. I'm a volunteer firefighter myself, but the police had come to just to notify him, and it's unfortunate that he was in such a prominent position that 3,000 people saw this whole thing happen without any explanation. And uh, by that time, it had gone viral on Twitter. It was on Yahoo. It was on The Score. It was on Sportsnet. All because of my description of this being incorrect. So I uh, I don't think you did... Wait, have you been told not to talk about that stuff anymore? Well, that was one of those moments where I just felt 
awful because the guy had lost his house and I was I was maybe making I wasn't really being rude about it but I was just making jokes about oh my god this guy got like only on a Friday night in Cranbrook would the gold judge get arrested and you know I was joking like I, I wonder what he I, I got arrested you. for <laughs> So, I guarantee you every play-by-play guy in sports would have done the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so I felt I bad about that. And then after that, I was, you know, I kind of talked to a few people that were like, geez, if it wasn't for you, it wouldn't have gone viral and it wouldn't have been a huge deal. And I said, well, I don't like, you know, not going viral. Going viral is a good thing, except for maybe this instance. So since then, well, I guarantee you, he probably had a good GoFundMe campaign because of you. <laughs> yeah, I think after that, it all worked out. But that's kind of why I try not to get too descriptive of what's going on in the crowd, unless I'm 100% sure of what I know what's going on. Julie noted. <laughs> That's why fans think I'm drunk at the games. They're like, wait till, you, wait till I get to your section and you, you know, you'll see. I'm focused. <laughs> so if we go rapid fire, Chris, I mean, we got to ask you first, Cameron. You've had a lot of time off, you mentioned. What's been your go-to television binge, whether it's Netflix, Amazon Prime? What, what have you really watched and enjoyed? Uh, Lupe. On Netflix. Lupe. I don't know if I've heard Lupin. That. Lupin. Oh, what's that about? It's uh, about a, uh, uh, art, a um, bank robbery thief in France. There's subtitles, so it might be hard for you guys to understand. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I can do the play-by-play for you, though. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Make it like a voice memo. <laughs> Just read it to me. At our weekend games on the music computer, there's still a folder called Cameron Hughes that from when you were here, some, you know, obviously some big hits that you love to dance to. We love to go to them and get the crowd going. But what's a song that even after all these years that you personally still love to get up to and just to get moving? Billy Idol, Money, Money. Like, I mean, it's just I've used that at the U.S. Open. Uh, I've had, you know, Novak, Rafa, Roger Federer dance to it. And that's my song in Vegas. Like fans have told me that they'll be at the game and they hear that song come on. They're looking for me. And I'm like, well, maybe they shouldn't play it if I'm not there. You know, (laughs) exclusivity. That song belongs to you. now. (laughs) And I've had, by the way, on a big name drop, but I'm dropping it. I've had Marc-Andre Fleury come up to me after me in a game and like, well, you'll see the book. Uh, Maybe that's all I'll say. But critique my performance. (laughs) (laughs) We love the flower too. We talk about that. We were just talking about how great it is to see him post another shutout, sixty third of his career. I mean, the guy unbelievable. Just keeps on better. Uh, is there a moment that you know, if you had to, you're, you know, you're laying on your deathbed and you're thinking of all of your career. Is there one moment that stands out above any other, whether it's meeting an athlete or being in a facility? Is there one moment that tops all of them so far? Vancouver Rugby Sevens, 30,000 people. Last big time out of the game, I get up, I turn around. There's five kids behind me dancing. I move out of the way. There's one kid. He won't stop dancing. Young kid. He rips open his shirt. He's twirling it around. The crowd's going wild. I give him all my shirts everyone's dressed up and all the characters are and the place is going nuts. He keeps going. He won't stop. I'm out of the way. He's an 18 year old boy with down syndrome. It's been seen by 15 million people around the world. Um, and it was one of the great, I, I tell the story on stage when I do talks around the world and I end my presentations with the video because it really shows you that it's never been about me. It's about igniting other people to, to be part of the fun, to let loose, to laugh a little more, to shake it up. And Malcolm and I have kept in touch over the last two years. And he, he taught us a lot about the human spirit that night. Oh, you, 
that's that, that's awesome. You've done so many events, Cam. What's next? What's something that you haven't done that you really want to once we get the world going again? My own wedding, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Um, what's one event? I mean, I kind of wish it. I, this wasn't my answer, but I think it would still be cool in the terms of like scope to do the Super Bowl because I think it would work if they gave me the right time out. I did the Great Cup in Montreal, and it. I, I, I'm going to say this, and people are going to be always cocky. I killed it because they gave me the right timeout, music cues, like a lot of. I've been to a lot of these games, and where they don't give you those moments, and if you do, it can really work. So um, Super Bowl would be one, and performing in Africa would be something that I'd love to do. I always, and I'm the type of guy, like I, I get anxiety watching embarrassing moments, like whether it be on YouTube, like fail army, or even watching the office. Sometimes the things that Michael Scott says give me anxiety sitting in my living room. So has there been a moment that now that you think about, you know, even 26 years later where you just cringe and you just can't get it out of your mind, an embarrassing moment from a game somewhere? Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've had a, bunch of different sort of silly and stupid things. My biggest embarrassment was going after a fan once that went after me. I wasn't proud of that. Um, it was at an NBA game. 22,000 people saw it. Uh, the cops came up to me and said, look, we were on your side, but you can't touch them. <laughs> um, and I didn't physically like, I just tried to like, he was attacking me. He was a Golden State fan against Cavaliers and he was wasted and he was like trying to like ah you know that sort of thing and i kind of pushed him out of the way because he was like physically coming after me then i went after him afterwards he went back and sat in the crowd and i was not impressed with what i said or did um and then i came back to apologize and he was kicked out (laughs) so i didn't feel as bad (laughs) karma will get you karma will get you but i I mean in all seriousness i'm going to go to that in one one more second is I've had so much human interaction that I've never been happy with myself when I, when I, when I, when I give it back, there's no point. Again, when I give it back in, in, in a way that's just like crossing the line and I've done it a few times and I'm not proud of that, you know, but I've also done it in a way where people deserve it. (laughs) Right. Totally. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. If you put this clip out there, I might never get hired again, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, if you've got rowdy fans, Cameron Hughes will come beat them up on the Jumbotron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, one eight hundred, get a cheer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank well, you so much for doing this. Hey guys, thank you. When am I going to see you? You know what? Well, we were just uh, saying at the top of the podcast here, when just me and Crow, that uh, the WHL East Division uh, hub is going to be in Regina this year. So the five Saskatchewan teams, the two Manitoba teams are playing out there. So we're not going to see hockey in Brandon until at least the fall. Um, so we're looking now at planning for home games in the 21-22 season. So hopefully sooner rather than later, though. I mean, it's been a long time since we've already had yeah. fans now here. It's going to be even longer. It's nice at the that, you know, we're going to get to have a season that the boys are going to get to play. Uh, it's going to be in front of an empty building and off site, but uh, at least it's something until we can, you know, get the world, like I said, old, you know, back running again and, and get our fans back in the building. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. I always appreciate the support and uh, Brandon too. It's been a, it's been a fun relationship over the years. Well, the book is, and we always love seeing like on on, like the random videos, like the, like seeing a a Wee King Jersey pop up in there and, 
You know, it's always like like a badge of honor to to, to see our junior jersey mixed in with all of the pro stuff that that, that you have. Well, going I, I I think I told you I wore that jersey at the Hips final show in Kingston. I love oh it. man, that's amazing! That's yeah. awesome. Uh, the book, everybody, once again, King of Cheer: Stories of Showing Up, Getting Up, and Never Giving Up from the World's Most Electrifying Crowd Igniter. Uh, you can get that at CameronHughes.tv. There's literally a banner. It says "Buy Here." That's all you got to do. Go to the website, click "Buy Here," and I'm sure the rest of it is pretty self-explanatory. So, Cam, uh, thanks for doing this, and uh, hopefully, we can see you in, a, in a rink, any rink, any stadium. Let's go, Weekings! Thanks, thanks, boys. Again, our thanks to Cameron Hughes for joining us here this week on episode 43 of the Weekly Harvest Podcast, brought to you by Coors Light, the official beer of the brand of We Kings. Please drink responsibly. Uh, it, it was it was hard not to have a smile on the face most of the time during that. It wasn't it there, Crow? Oh, he says he says in his in his website video promoting himself that he's in the smile business. He's in it to make people happy. And I think you can just hear it in the energy in his voice. Um, and uh, again, like I mentioned before the interview, if you get a chance, go to YouTube, watch some of his stuff. It's, it's just, it's great. So, uh, once again, if you, if you missed it, the book called King of Cheer is available at CameronHughes.tv. That's Cameron, H-U-G-E-S dot TV. There's a big red banner. It says buy here. He'll uh, autograph it. He'll personalize it. Um, and he'll send it your way for your reading pleasure. Right now, we're going to the email inbox. It's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com, qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Uh, first question in here is from Lance. Actually, Crow, it's a question for you. Uh, we haven't talked about your farm animals in a while. Have you added any new animals to the Crow Farm? Oh, love it. That's excellent. Uh, no, uh, we still have the chickens. Uh, we've got uh, the two big chocolate labs, the cat. The cattle all got sold at auction and one got put in the freezer for some for some uh, nice barbecuing. Um, but as of right now, we haven't added anything. My wife has a plan. Uh, coming May 1st or 3rd, we're getting a dozen sheep. Canadian Arcot lambs. So however this bubble works out, if I have to go into the bubble, she's going to have a little bit of work to do to get ready for these sheep without my help. So uh, <laughs> if you see her around, don't tell her that I may be disappearing for a while. Uh, but that's the plan. But no animals other than uh, in springtime, we're going to get a few sheep and, and raise them up here uh, around the place as some pets and um, you know maybe uh, have a little fresh lamb for the barbecue as well. Uh, Ian says, hey guys, great job with the Ron Hextall interview. Really love the pod. Does Ron still have a place up at Clear Lake? I wonder if he's a fisherman. You didn't talk about fishing with him. That's actually a good point. Maybe I definitely should have. I don't, I don't know if he still has a place up there or not. I, I know that he did obviously a few years ago. People did know that, but uh, I'm not sure. Uh, and then uh, Ian asks, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had to bring this up. P.S. Have you, have you found a new auger yet? No, uh, not yet. The my Again, the bottom of my auger, it went through the bottom of the hole a few weekends ago the latch pin came off so i pulled up my auger and i had no flight so that's sitting at the bottom of the lake uh i did buy a i went on amazon i bought a fishing magnet so i can go magnet fishing this summer um and i'm going to go back to that spot i'm gonna try to get my auger back so no ian i don't have an auger yet uh and uh last one here uh from 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 bryce he goes hey uh oh this actually just came in uh today uh hey Great news about uh, about you guys coming back. Um, do we know about Crow yet? No, we don't really know about Crow yet. But what, again, what about me? Uh, about 
what's going to be happening. I, because I think what he, he just heard about the pod, he heard about the breaking news, how we were talking about how we don't exactly know how you're going to be oh, broadcasting yeah. the games yet. So again, people want to hear that. Go back to the previous pod where we kind of talk about just what we do and don't know. But no, as of right now, we don't really know any more than what you heard. But um, hopefully by next we'll week. Be able to hear, hopefully by next we'll week, be able to hear games on Q Country. For sure. Uh, 100% yeah. every game, whether it's at noon, 4, 8 p.m., Regular scheduled Week King Hockey will be back on, on Q Country and 880. Uh, but just how it's delivered to you, we're not sure. Uh, I might be in the building. I might not be in the building. I might be somewhere else. Uh, we got to figure that out. But uh, again, yeah, all the details kind of last week. I, I'm curious, Falco. Can, scroll through the email inbox one more time. Are you okay. sure there's not an email in there from a Jeff? Because I got a Snapchat last week from a guy who played junior hockey. He's from Verdon. He played in Melville and Swan. Jeff Peel, he's a teacher now. And he said, hey, Crow, can't wait for you to read my email to the podcast this week. And I was paranoid that you were going to read it without warning me. But you haven't said it. So maybe he didn't go through. No, I, you know what? And I think you mentioned that even like last week or alluded to it. No, I'm, I'm, I was looking for, a, for, for that, for a Jeff. I'm going huh. back here a little bit. I don't see any embarrassing emails. Maybe he was setting you up here, uh, or maybe he <laughs> sent it to the wrong one. So if people are looking for it, again, it's the letter Q weekly harvest at gmail.com. Q weekly harvest at gmail.com. That's how you can get a hold of us. Uh, however, you're listening this week, if it's at qcountryfm.ca, if it's on Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, whatever it is, we appreciate you listening. We also appreciate those that hit subscribe and those that hit download. It's a little easier to, uh, to, to, to track that way. Uh, but uh, just even if you're just glancing for a couple of moments, appreciate you. So thank you for listening this week. We'll be back next week with hopefully a lot more answers. Uh, Crow, any final thoughts here? Uh, two things, and I wanted to get these in before the interview, but I forgot. Uh, congratulations uh, to Brandonite Trent Miner. Got into his first professional game tonight with the Colorado Eagles. Stopped 26 saves, lost in overtime. Uh, so congratulations to Brandonite Trent Miner. Uh, his first pro game. Of course, we talked about him getting his pilot's license during COVID. The guy just is just got quite the schedule on his hands. And Logan Thompson has been recalled by the Vegas Golden Knights. He's on the taxi squad with Robin Leonard injured. Oscar Dansk is the backup for right now, but Logan Thompson getting a bit of sniff with the big club. So uh, that's just a little bit of news and notes from around uh, Westman and, uh, the, and the Week King locker room. So that's all I, that's all I got. That's episode 43 of the Weekly Harvest, brought to you by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Week Kings. Please drink responsibly. Until next week, have a good one. Cheers. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Week Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Week Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest. Oh, 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 oh,